Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's November 24th, 2017. You're listening to the best poker cast on the interwebs. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Uh, happy pre-actual and belated Turkey Day? I don't, I don't know... Well, that was- I wanted to do the little uh, gobble 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 thing that mm-hmm. the uh, the the car rental lady on planes, trains, and automobiles does. Uh huh. Because that's just like that's so Thanksgiving to me, right? When yeah. she's on the but I I, I can't do it. I, I'm not good at sound effects. Sorry. <laughs> You're a walking sound effect. What are you talking about? <laughs> <clears throat> so it's Thanksgiving week. Uh, we're taping a day early, recording a day early. I'm dating myself there, and. Uh, and I'm not sure when I'm posting it, so I have to say it like that because uh, got a lot of busy things going on in our lives. So, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, what, this we're taping it before. So, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? You seeing the folks? Uh, yeah, well, we're doing a normal turkey trot run in the morning, unless it's uh, raining, which sounds like it might be. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, then our traditional breakfast, post race breakfast with the folks, and then uh, some neighbors invite us over for um, a big feast. So nice, a little nice. different. You? We're going to Jeannie's cousin. She, uh, Jeannie has a cousin who moved here about a year and a half ago, and uh, we spent a lot of time with them. So we're going to spend the, the day with them, and then on Sunday we're going to get together with the whole family. That's kind of our tradition because back in the day when Jeannie was working, um, she worked in the <clears throat> the food and beverage industry, so she always worked holidays. So yeah. we never had Thanksgiving with her. So our plan was always to always have Thanksgiving with the kids and the family on Sunday. Um, so that tradition sort of, even though she, now she doesn't work anymore for um, – the man she only works for us um she's so pretty much semi-retired so now we just continue tradition so the kids are going to come over on sunday and we'll do the big turkey thing then so it's like a double double celebration get to have it yeah twice. it's kind of interesting <laughs> that this is the first year that uh, laura's been off on thanksgiving too because the first year yes. she's not a journalist so that's right kind of have all these other traditions started we started and started the breakfast in the morning because she always had to work and i had to work and uh back back in the day when i worked with the man so yeah, but yeah. Uh, Really interesting now um, to uh, be normal people. You lose that but. triple pay, though. That's the thing. You lose that triple yeah, pay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but yeah. But all right. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Well, I try to invite uh, Floyd Mayweather to come to Thanksgiving, but he's a little busy these days because he <laughs> uh, he just signed a deal to be the face of the new social gaming site called Wild Poker, where players don't wager money but can make in-app purchases. To improve their chances at the table, uh, there was a lot of information. This comes from TMZ, so they're not big on the detailed reporting. They're more on the the shock value and making sure that guy on the TV show has you know enough to talk about when he's slurping down his big drink. You, yeah. you ever saw that, right? The guy sitting there hanging there. I, I see the the commercials for it, and but I don't actually watch the show. <laughs> but I do know, and I've seen people mock him, like doing like. <laughs> You know, on other like sitcom shows or something, but I actually haven't watched an episode of TMZ. I'm sorry. 
Well, that, that shows you just how <laughs> ubiquitous it is that you know about it without actually even seeing the show. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's hilarious just to sit there and watch these people talk about celebrities and this guy slurping down this big cup. But So I wish he would finish his drink and actually give us a little bit more information on what wild poker is. But um, but by the screen grabs, there was like a you know a little poker table there and there was little Floyd's little, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, <laughs> I, got, I can't believe I drawn a blank on the little... Uh, oh, they had little animals and stuff around him. They were, like, they were sitting around with him. They were little, yeah. I, little I, like, I, caricatures of animals and stuff like that. You know, and I, I did how the long same. it's been since we've had online poker. I can't even remember what, it's, what your little guy's called anymore. But anyhow. Oh, the avatars. You mean the avatars? Avatar! Oh, there we go. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <clears> yes. <throat> um, so, yeah, it does sound like it's poker, but maybe it's not necessarily poker. But, again, it's social gaming. So, you know, you get in there and play, and then... You know, probably to you could play one hand for free, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they start asking you to to buy more chips. Uh, could be wrong, but uh, that that's not really all that important. I I don't expect many of our listeners to run out and enjoying wild poker, um, unless wild poker becomes an advertiser. But uh, <laughs> in that case, then please do. But um, but why I put it on there, I thought, is that this is another now we're blending. We talked about what's going to get people into poker, right? Um, going forward, and I think this might be one of those things, if we can get that crossover appeal from uh, other types of celebrities. And generally, in the poker world, when somebody signs a a celebrity, it's, I don't want to say B-list, but I guess it is B-list, right? B-list, C-list, D-list. They have their own little niche, like Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. Great guy. I'm not dissing him for being B-list or C-list, but, you know, he's not going to change the face of poker by you know, playing on the Global Poker League, right? Right. But Floyd Mayweather is a pretty big name and uh, in a different world, and I don't know. Is this a very small step towards bringing more people into the game or not? Oh, I think anything they can introduce is some sort of... I mean, there may be boxing fans out there that don't play poker that are huge fans of this guy. I mean, he's very um, polarizing. He is. People love him or hate him, and... um I don't know. I, I I think anything that just brings poker to the forefront in any capacity at all, at any time, at any moment, unless it's absolutely negative, you know, will always give us some sort of step toward. And it, when it, and the thing is, social gaming, then there has the possibility of millions of people seeing it, you know, um, and that's always a good thing, you know, because you'll get a percentage of that that will be converts or whatever. So, to me, I think you know. I, I was like you, too, uh, not to get off topic, but I was like you. I wanted to learn more about this, and so when I didn't find any more on it, I went to the comments. You know what I found in the comments? Oh, no. Uh, America is full of racists. Oh, really? Imagine that. <laughs> you never yeah. know that. You know, yeah. It's amazing. And instead of learning about the game or seeing if people were actually <laughs> interested in it, pretty much everyone was just making fun of Floyd Mayweather and being racist. And there were a couple of people <laughs> saying that it wasn't good or whatever. I don't but then again, I don't know if they actually signed up and got the app, or if they're just people just spouting off because they have the the security of anonymity online to say whatever they want and then get out. But uh, yeah, I, I wanted to know a little bit more about it because I, then I started to wonder about the business model of something like this, where people want to play. Because it's funny, I have uh, one of my stepsons plays like those online role playing games where you're right. you're battling like you know. Does he play more with Arnold Schwarzenegger? I don't. He may. I don't. No, I don't think that one. He plays more of the ones where, you know, you're like a wizard or something. You know. So, but every whenever I go visit him late at night uh, when everyone's sleeping and he has a few minutes to himself, he'll log on and play that game. And I'm like, 
how much money have you put into this game? He's like, I've put nothing in it. It's playing for free. And I'm like, so you're still being entertained by it? He said, yeah. He said, but you wouldn't believe it. There are people on here who just pay $100 right away to level up to get, because it, it just kills them. They get this huge ego, and they're dying to be able to be the best at this game. So they'll pay whatever it takes, even though they get nothing for it other than they're playing in a video game. It's not like they can take their level 10 and go to the bank and cash it in for three grand, <laughs> right? So there are people out there that do that, that they just they have money to burn. And they have an ego where they want to be the best. So this could possibly work if you got people who are like, oh, man, I really want to play with Floyd Mayweather uh, on the days that he's playing or he may show up and play or I want to be able to play with him. And if the way to play with him is to have the most apps, I'm going to pay for that, you know, or or whatever. Or I want to be the best at this game. And so I guess there's a business model for it. It's yeah, just, I, mean, I don't think you can underestimate the in-app purchase yeah. uh, economy out there. I'm like, you know... To you and me, it's you know I I don't think I've ever done an in-app purchase for anything. It's just not not our world, right? right. For anything, but for lots of people, it really is. Especially uh, kids, and I'm sure kids aren't going to be allowed on wild poker. But um, but yeah, it's a real motivator to to get to that next level and have to do something. And it also helps too that um, that these things are are relatively inexpensive, right? You know, imagine you know the, I think the greatest thing that 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 uh album producers did i know there's a big um fight over royalties here but once you're able to buy a song for 99 cents online um i imagine people start buying a lot more songs than in paying 15 dollars for an album where you only listen to three songs right 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 so because it's just easy and like oh it's a dollar everybody always has a dollar on them right (laughs) you're almost never not with a dollar on you and they make it real easy in the app too you push a button and bang your cards charge and and sometimes it just goes on to your cell phone bill, which you you don't even look at anyhow. So uh, it is it is a uh, a model that works really well. So and then you're right now you throw in a name like this and you you make it to the point where people actually have to make the purchases to get enough chips to be able to play with Floyd or meet Floyd or whatever. Right. Um, then then that's a powerful motivator. So we'll but- see. Yeah, like you said, we'll see. And I just, I'm always encouraging anything that pr- promotes poker. So I, I am not going to say it's a bad idea because I don't think it is. I don't think anything that that brings poker to the forefront somehow and continues this game for us is is good in my mind. So, well, we'll see if you agree with that. Uh, cryptocurrency, which our next item. So uh, the past three weeks have seen a surge in news about cryptocurrency online poker rooms from Phil Ivey's involvement with Virtue Poker uh, to Tony G's involvement with Coin Poker. And now Ray First, who has been largely absent from the poker scene since Full Tilt's collapse, uh, has announced a new venture called The Crypto Company, where people can invest in Bitcoin and the various smaller cryptocurrencies that are developing. We haven't talked about this much on the show because it's like a one room here and one room there, but now it's starting off. I mean, back in the day, uh, Seals with Clubs was the first one to really do this, right? And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, obviously they got in trouble um, in Nevada, uh, but other ones are popping up now. And Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are really taking off. Um, so this is really probably, I think, the next boom in online poker now. Um, yeah, the, just to be clear, too, the crypto company has nothing to do with poker. It's just a, right. a, exactly. it's like a, an investment company that modifies, because it's such a volatile business, uh, cryptocurrency. Yeah. I mean, every day your coin could go up and down hundreds of dollars in value. Um, so that's what these guys are going to do. They're going to take the worry out of it for you. They'll be the ones monitoring it and and whatever. So, but um, 
we've talked about Bitcoin a few times on the show in the past, and I, I still can't wrap my head around it. I really can't. I mean, I've read the story about Ray First and his company, and I've talked about Bitcoin before, and I think even had conversations with Gambit about it. And I saw that there's a story, news on, online, or it was either on there, on, maybe on, on TV, but there was a kid who wanted to buy Bitcoin, and his parents were like, no. And so they, he convinced him, let him do it, and now he's made his first million, and he's like 16 or something. Yeah. And, it, and it's because he bought Bitcoin when it was nothing, and now each Bitcoin's worth like eight grand or something. And it's like, just remarkable and i still can't wrap my head around it but i i don't mind it i just i just don't see stability in it and i i as many articles as i see that say it's the greatest thing i also see ones that say it's bad now i don't know if the people saying it's bad have ulterior motives because they're investment companies i like the standard normal <laughs> stuff and they're just sending out that negative press or whatever but i really don't know what to think of it i i i just don't i'm one of the ones that just don't get in on the ground floor of things and then I'm I'm more of the hey let's make sure it's a proven thing and that it's going to be safe and then I'll get in and I don't make as much but I don't lose as much either and so I really don't know what to think of it. Well, this might be the first time you have something in common with Warren Buffett, Chris. So wow. <laughs> Although no, I shouldn't say that. He also is pretty cheap for being the richest man in the world. All so, right. You know, you got two things in common. With him, but <laughs> um, but no, in, in a general discussion. Uh, well, let's start with the poker part. I mean. In, why it's so great for poker right now is that it, it does avoid largely the um, UIGA because now bank U.S. financial uh, institutions aren't facilitating the movement back and forth. It is a largely unregulated currency economy. So, um, so you're avoiding that, and that's why they're they're starting to show up. Um, so for the short term, that's a good thing for poker because as long as he can continue to operate um, and not get in trouble and the cryptocurrency continues to be strong, that will be a good thing for poker. Uh, but that's the next question, though, is really how stable is cryptocurrency? And, uh, you know, I've seen the same things you have. Uh, Warren Buffett and a couple other really good investors are not sold on this at all. They just don't think it's going to work. And then I talked to folks, you know, uh, one of our writers actually is really into this and thinks it's going to be the the new standard for currency in the world at some point. I, I don't know who's right, uh, who's wrong, uh, but I'm kind of like you. I'll, I'll let other people uh, make their fortune or lose their fortune, and I'll be right there in the middle with my normal fortune. Yeah. <laughs> And, and figure it out later on when it comes up. But for right now, it's there's a lot of movement, uh, so that makes it a lot of, very exciting. I, I just, you know, there is that possibility that it could all come crumbling down at some point, and um, that'll be interesting. I, did you read the article with the family that sold everything? It's like a mom and dad and two kids. Uh, I don't think I saw sold that. sold everything they owned and bought, uh, I don't know if it's Bitcoin or one of the other currencies, but um, so they're all in. <laughs> I mean, literally all in. If uh, if it falters, then you know. I mean, I, I, I guess they they save some clothes or something <laughs> right now. But <laughs> um, but yeah, their entire everything is is in this. And I know there's other people out there that would love to do that, and those people are start, are starting to do that now. Um, and they could be right. It could be the the new uh, Warren Buffetts in the future. Uh, Don't, or, isn't isn't there always a story too that comes out whenever something like this happens where Somebody always sells their entire house to buy uh, lotto tickets, thinking that if I buy 70,000 lotto tickets or 150,000 lotto tickets, I'm guaranteed to win. And then, then they don't win. They only make like 40 grand back, and now they're yeah. living in an apartment, and, you know, and 
You know, there's always somebody who wants to get rich by giving up everything they have. Yep. Crazy. <laughs> All right, any updates? PokerRadius.com, which had hosted Annie Up's group discussions on the Internet, has shut down permanently. So we're happy to announce the creation of the Annie Up Fans Facebook group page, where those conversations will take place. Fans can post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call-to-floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Go to Facebook and search for Annie Up Fans and join the group today. One update on that. I forgot the the edit here. Uh, Actually, Poker Radius did get a a contribution from one of our um, ambassadors, so they're trying to keep the hope alive there. So um, that was probably, I should have edited that and say they haven't shut down primarily, um, but they have not reopened. But regardless, we have the Facebook fan page, and uh, we're getting people joined up several day now it's it's really nice so yeah yeah moving forward i think we're going to stick with that anyway i mean there may be a society on there for them for us and stuff but i think our it's in our best interest to stay with our own our own numbers and stuff too so facebook is is helping us out so i think we might stick with that our 2018 annie up poker cruise schedule is set including a summer sailing to cuba passengers on all sailings get a commemorative coin souvenir uniquely designed for each sailing by the pokerdepot.com a one-month membership to advanced poker training, and a quick reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. For more info, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast.annieupmagazine.com. If they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. comes from Al Alzuri. He said, I'd just love to go on one of your poker cruises. main thing holding me back is that I'm the only one in my family who cares about poker. My question is, how would that work? Do you have cruisers whose spouses uh, want nothing to do with poker? If so, <clears throat> are they able to get some quality time at the tables while still spending quality time with their spouses? What about larger groups? Cruising can be especially fun with multiple families. What if not everyone in the family is interested in poker? Do they still book as a poker cruiser and just not spend time at the tables? Yeah, I love this question. We get this question a lot, right? Yeah. And um, the answer I give is that we have made so many marriages better. <laughs> the, however many years we have been uh, sailing. And that sounds funny, but uh, it, it's true because I, I can't tell you how many – it's usually women, but sometimes it's men. Women come up to me on the cruise and say, I've been wanting to go on a cruise for years, Scott, and I can never get my husband to go. And then he saw I saw this poker cruise, and I'm like, that's my in. So I went to him, and he's like, all right, we'll try it. And then they both had a blast. He, the husband came on and played poker all day long and loved it. The wife got to do the cruise that she always wanted to do, and now they're happy, um, uh, even though they don't spend all day, all night together, right? Right. But I, I think the real answer is it, it depends on your marriage, right? So, uh, you know, we both bring our wives on, and we, we find time to see them, even though we're we're not playing. We're working, so it's a little different. There's a little different understanding of the wives there rather than coming on just to play, right? right. But you, you find you find time to do it. Um, so, you know, you know, maybe if you're a tournament player, then you, you tell the, the spouse, hey, the tournaments are in the morning. I'll play in the morning, and at night I'm um, with you. Or if you're a cash game player, the cash games are more – are bigger in the night, so you spend all day with the spouse, and then you play cash at night. So you just figure it out, and um, you know, as long as you guys are comfortable not spending every waking moment with each other. And I know some marriages, yeah, people want to spend every waking moment, but we'd be divorced in three days. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I, we had to do that. So um, you can make it work. Um, 
and then uh, I guess for groups, it's, groups is just a larger version of the same thing. So I, actually, I think with a larger group, it's probably easier because now um, everybody has more people to hang out with, so you can get away to play poker without being missed as much. It, it's tough when you're sailing with just one person. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. poker, it, it it's easy for them to go, hey, they're not here with me right now. <laughs> but when you're sailing with 12 people, it, it's easy for everybody else to have a good time, even if you're off having poker. So that's what I'll say, I guess. Well, yeah, and the other thing, too, is you got to remember, if you think about it, if they're, say we're at sea for five days, generally there's two or, or on a cruise is like five days. Generally, there's two or three stops. So you're right. spending like the entire morning on an island. You're spending the entire day, you know, in a new port doing something. So you spend that whole day with her. And then at night, you can play poker. And then on the sea days, you say, hey, well, during the day, we'll do this. And then I'll play poker at night when you want to go read your book. Or a lot of people want to, you know, they just want to relax and read a book. And while they're reading a book on the promenade or whatever, you're in there playing poker. So there's always. There's always it, there's always something that you could be doing, and there's something that you could not be doing. And it's just there's always something to do on the ship. So if they want to do something to preoccupy them, they want to play bingo without you. Or, there's always something for them to be doing while you're playing. But there's always a uh, time that is earmarked for you to be with the spouse or with the family because we have the port stops and we can't play poker during the port stops. So you're automatically right there. You're spending at least three full days at some point with them at these port stops if you choose to go on one. Oh, and if you don't, you stay on the ship with them when there's a port stop. We're still not open. Our poker room's not open, so you still would be with your family or whatever. So that's always important. And, it, you know, you just you go in with a plan ahead of time. Say, hey, you know, Scott's right. There are a lot of, a lot of spouses who are like, hey, my husband would never go on a cruise before this. Um, and then there's other ones that are like, hey, I want to I spend time with my family, but I also want to play poker. Is there enough time to do both? And we're here to say absolutely. There absolutely is. So. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the ports because that's that's a good point. Um, and also dinner, we close for dinner every night. We yeah. we went. To, it, it's partially for our staff to be able to go and, and have a real dinner, but it's also, you know, protecting our players too. You know, you got to get out and <laughs> go get a meal. It's free, right? Yeah. So, so we do close for dinner every night. So that that way, I mean, if you're trying to sell the spouse on it right now, say, hey, every dinner I'm with you. Every port stop, I'm with you all. All the, the entire port stop, and then the rest of the time, let, let's just figure out um, how much alone time we both get, and that's when I'll play. And that that should work for most marriages, I think. Yeah, most. I think it does. I think a lot of people like to just relax under the sun. And if you're someone, hey, are you comfortable sitting here by yourself? Because if you are, I'm going to go play poker. And if you're not, then we'll work it out. You know, some people have spouses that go to bed early. They go to bed yeah. at ten, and we're open till three. So yep. there you go. You got five hours right there to play poker if you're willing to stay up late. So there's always a way to be able to get away um, and without without it causing any riffle in your family. So find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. Email us at podcastandannyupmagazine.com, and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo director of poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, which specializes in poker odds and math at poker911.net. And before you do the question, I just want to let you know, Tom has moved to Florida now. He used oh. to live in California. Yeah. And uh, he got here just in time because his first question was, I've heard the humidity is bad. Well, <laughs> not right now. Not right now it's not. Wait till the summer, though. <clears throat> uh, so it comes from Chris Spirito. He says, I was playing in a tournament where a hearing-impaired man was seated at my table. As the tournament went on, he occasionally would ask for assistance about bets, etc. He could speak and was reading lips, I assume, pretty well. 
As luck would have it, a friend of his was randomly seated next to him, and in between hands they were communicating with each other by sign language. This did not happen during hands, but could be could this be a violation of English only at the table? Oh, it says uh, the TDA's accepted language rule only applies to hands in progress and applies to all players at the table, regardless of who is active in the hand. If they're only using sign language between hands, as you stated, then there would be no violation of any rule or policy. If, in fact, these players were using sign language while they were out of a hand, but a hand was being played out among other players at the table, that would be a violation of the accepted language rule. So when you're not in the hand, but a hand's playing out, you're still allowed to talk, just not about the hand. Is that right? Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, you and I are talking to each other at the poker table when people are playing poker, and you and I are not in the hand. Right. I think I think what they what they where the English only came from mostly is so that if there's anything that could affect the game, that that was open to everyone. Right. Right. So even though you and I might have a conversation in the middle of a hand that doesn't concern the hand, if we are um, speaking in Swahili, (laughs) there's no way of knowing whether we're talking about the hand or not. There's no way of knowing if anybody else at the table also speaks Swahili and hasn't been speaking it but understands it and is getting extra information that other people aren't. So um, that's where it makes it a little bit difficult here. But uh, so, yeah, unfortunately – in this case, you know, your conversations are going to have to be quick uh, in between hands so as to not raise any specter of collusion. All right. Here's a new O'Malley's Move, part one. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're seated in a $2, $5 No Limit Hold'em casino cash game. This isn't our regular casino, and it seems like we found ourselves in the middle of a game of regulars. Most of the players are well-versed in the game, but they like to see a lot of flops, with no fewer than three or four players to each one. We bought in for $500 and currently sit with about $375. It's a full table. We've been playing for about two hours. The blinds post, the -the under-the-gun calls, the plus-one folds, the two MPs call, The hijack calls, and we're in the cutoff with the jack of hearts, jack of diamonds. Ugh. There's already four players in this pot and three to act behind us. I know this is probably a raising situation, and maybe here is our first mistake, but after being down 125, we are a little gun-shy and elect to call, essentially turning this into a set mining operation. The three players behind us all call. We're eight-handed, going to a flop with $40 in the pot. The king of spades, jack of spades, nine of diamonds comes down. The small blind checks, but the big blind makes an overbet of $50. This player hasn't done anything too far out of line that we've seen so far tonight, but we also haven't really seen much of his hands. When we sat down, he had $800 and currently sits with closer to 1000 Why so much? It's folded around to us, and we're in a bind here. I think raising is the move. But even a min-raise would be to 100, and that's more than a quarter of our stack. We decide to go with a raise of 125. The button and small blind fold, but the big blind thinks briefly before shoving. So, the action's on us. What's the move? It's time for the Advanced Poker Training Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antietmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, 
You'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And remember last weekend I said I didn't have the hand of the week up, but I made it work because you were uh, waxing on about the uh, O'Malley's move? I, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, we didn't have an O'Malley's move for you to wax on this week, so uh, let me make sure I could find <laughs> it here, and then uh, uh, we'll be all right. And, of course, it's it's from our good friend Paul Ralstein, so it's going to take me an hour to read through the to find out whether this is the uh, the right hand. <laughs> Did you call him Paul Ralstein? Ralstein. Uh, Ralston? Ralston? T-O-N, not teen. Yeah, no Steen. I just added a Steen to him. Okay. <laughs> Oh man! All right, so let's see. Is this uh? We're gonna pretend this is the hand. We're hoping <laughs> it's the hand. Uh, I just want to be sure. It's good weird. You know, uh, to let the listeners know before the show starts, I always say, "Scott, are you ready?" And then, and then he's <laughs> like, not. "He's no, like, let's see. I gotta turn off my phone." And in the old days, he had the house phone. He had to unplug, and then he doesn't have the house phone anymore. And then he's like, "All right, well, let me." Uh, all right, make sure I got the hand of the week, and you know today he's like, "Yeah, I'm ready." Uh, you know you weren't. I love the house phone because I was watching Speed yesterday. You know it was a great movie, right back yeah. in the day. And uh, Dennis Hopper calls Keanu Reeves on the payphone where it rings, and he actually picks up. That's yeah. even older than house phone. Yeah, yeah. All right, we we're good here. All right, All right so good. here we go. Uh, Paul says. Uh, it's my last night in South Africa before a three week trip home. So my usual plan is to play all night, work the next day, and be properly exhausted by the time I jump on the plane. I like that. Because there's leaving ritual. Um, uh, he says that's not entirely relevant, but has some bearing on choices. Makes sense. You're a little tired. You don't play your best poker, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, private cash game, a hold'em. Um, and uh, it's a game that I know people are going to be deep and play lots of gamble. Uh, it's 25-25. And uh, again, you know, with the conversion rate of 13 to 1, he says, let's just assume it's $2, $2 in uh, U.S. Skittles. Okay. Uh, live straddle most of the time, and at least one, at least one Mississippi quite often. Um, and the minimum buy in is 3,000, and he's on his second bullet, having lost the first literally 15 minutes after he sat down. Yes, that happened. Uh, I managed to get the stack back up to just below 6,000 when this hand happens. Uh, villain of this hand has so many stories that night is Suki. I don't know what that means. Ah, I was hoping I, uh, good, I'm not the only one. All right. Uh, oh no, Suki maybe. S-U-K-K-I-E. Does that help? No. Uh. <laughs> uh, Sucky likes to sit very deep. He also likes to gamble and either wins huge or loses huge, as is the way with such high-variance, high-gamble players. He's the master of two-pair versus big-card flops, invisible because which madman would play with those cards uh, Would play with those cards flops? Uh, he's in for 20K and probably has 25 to 30K at the start of his hand. He raises to 150 on a single straddle. Um, and then he says he lot, uh, raises lots of pots with anything, up to and including Uno cards, business cards, and Starbucks cards. Okay, so we, we need to lose the humor and work on the hand here. <laughs> <laughs> and when he never, and when he raises, he never folds to a three bet. I mean, never. Uh, I am to his left and look down at ten ten, and it's on us. Now, now we start playing some poker here. Shove. <laughs> See if this guy folds. Because if he never folds, then you know you're ahead. So let's get it in there. All right. So there's a one fifty straddle, which is remarkable since it's twenty five twenty five to start. 
but uh, he raises the 150 on the straddle. So, I don't I so there was a straddle to 50, and then he raised to 150. So that's what you're telling me. All yeah, right. that would that makes sense. Yes. Um, to quote Dan Negreanu, it's just tens. Just tens. Um, but I do think we need to raise. Um, this guy is pretty crazy. We're playing two cards. He's got a lot of money in from, so we can double up again, double through whatever. So I like to raise here. I think I'd like to make it like 500. Okay, sounds good to me. Uh, our hero raises to 450. Probably acceptable, right? Yeah, in that range. Yeah. Uh, he says I'm looking isolated to just me and the lunatic in seat seven, as expected. It folds back to him, and he calls without even hesitating. I mean, he never folds to a three bet. Flop is four eight four. No suits provided, so let's assume they don't count. And uh, Zucky, as I would expect, uh, fires three fifty at the pot, and now it's on us. Oh, so I'm gonna make it fourteen hundred. I yep. think this this uh, <clears throat> you know he's just thinking that we might have raised with Ace King and we missed. He's kind of a maniac. If he has a four. I know he's a maniac, but does he really need to bet into us with three fours? Um, he may have hit his eight and think it's good, but I like our ten still. I'm going to raise this guy. I agree. Um, I, I can't even add anything. Exactly what you said. So Thanks. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, here it says, I simply do not think he has any of this board. I know his range. I know he can have any two cards, but his C-bet feels like his usual pressure. He always applies pressure. Um, and two fours on the flop make the likelihood of him having the trips remote. I figure he re-raises an overpair pre-flop uh, pressure, remember? Uh, I make my 10-10 as, as really good and call. Oh, we call? So I guess we're we're going for the let him hang him. Uh. Here, which, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, you know... <clears throat> I agree. He doesn't. He probably doesn't have anything here. Um, he plays a lot of cards, so again... A, that's the advantage of that type of play. We don't know whether he has a four or, or pocket eights here, but um, the problem now is if he has something like an ace king or ace queen, one of those hands that we are hoping he puts us on. Now we made it easy for him to catch up, right? Yeah, and he set the price too, and he's oh, taking yeah. control right. of the hand. Yep. Yeah, I don't like this at all. All right, see what happens. The turn is a five, so we have a four, eight, four, five board, and our opponent bets five fifty. I'm still, I'm still raising this guy. I don't like this. I mean, there's no way he's got six, seven. I don't think there's any way. And if he did have six, seven, if he raised him, he would have folded. So right. I just don't see that. I don't see that happening. Um, but I'm gonna raise and see what the, I, want, I want some answers. I'm not going to let him walk me. I want some answers, you know. This guy shoves on me after I raise him, then I can get away from him because then there's no there's no more move for him. But if you're just going to keep calling his stuff, you know, it's not right. Poker is about aggression. And, right. Uh, I don't agree with this, so I'm going to raise again. I will say here's the uh, – I agree. We have to raise now. And here's the one bonus to us checking the flop and raising now is on a board like that, if we had a four, generally you're not going to raise, um, right? If we, if we had a four, we're not going to raise right. there. We'll let him fire. Now, the five is a nothing card. So now when we raise now, it almost makes it look like we have a four. Um, 
so I guess maybe that shuts down the action. We want to call, so maybe that's a flaw in the logic of thinking there. But it's interesting how it changes the dynamic of the raising. If we were to raise on the flop, it can't put us on a four, right? Right. Uh, all right. Our hero says, I still uh, think his, I think my tens are the best hand by a mile, and I call again looking to value in the river when he fires his expected third barrel bluff. Jeez. I guess that's going to work if he does fire it, but and he knows the player better than we do. But now an overcard comes and you won't know what's going on, and then he'll shove on you, and then you're like, uh, you know, when you could have had your answer or gotten him out of the hand two streets ago. <clears throat> All right, what's the river? The river is a second five, so our final board four eight four five five, and our opponent thinks and then bets two thousand. Well, now I'll call. The pot's big enough, you know. At this point. You know, I, I, you're not going to get any money out of him unless he has a five or a four. I don't think. Maybe if he has an eight, maybe if he has pocket nines, but I don't know how you're going to get more out of him. So, if you min raise him and he has any decent hand, he might call. But you min raise him, then he's he's going to see all kinds of red flags and fold probably if he doesn't have any of this. So, even if he has an eight, he's probably going to fold. So, I, I just call. I, I I just don't want to take a chance. You know, if he does have a four, then we lost a minimum. I think that's sound thinking. I wish I could add more, but I I can't even argue. So. It's pretty scary. All right, hero counts out the call. Uh, realizes that he'd be left with twenty six hundred left if he's beat. Not much below his second bolt starting stack. I tank some more. Um, he says this will mean getting back all my reclaimed first bullet and a bit more, and it's and it's still maybe only eleven o'clock. <laughs> a long time to play. Uh, I eventually make the call with ten ten, and he shows me three five offsuit. Wow, feels like a brutal cold deck. I feel like my read was spot on. He had exactly the kind of hand I expected and played it exactly like I expected, but his air caught running cards. Eventually grind the night away, cash out uh, 3K up at 7 a.m., go to work, get on a plane, and sleep my way back to the U.K. See, this is why we we raise, because you don't let the hands get there that shouldn't have gotten there. Right. You know, I mean, it was really a bizarre back-to-back fives there, runner-runner, but you, you need to you need to stake the claim in this hand. You took, you took control of the hand, and uh, no, you didn't actually, right? We They raised. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... We just called the raise to 500, right? Preflop. That's correct. Yeah, so if you re-raise there, you're narrowing down the types of hands this guy's probably going to call you with. But if you said no matter what, he three calls the three bets. No, so he raised to 150 from the straddle. That's what it was. So we raised to 500, and the guy called. So you took control of the hand. That's right. the way it went. So you had control. So this guy or bets into you. Yeah. yeah, so when it was 484, and he bets into you, I mean, you need, you need, you need to control this hand. And at this point, whether you put him on the right hand or not, you're still letting him get there for the price that he wants to get there. Once he hits that five, now he's not going anywhere. You could have gotten him off this hand earlier. I know people will flame us for saying, "Oh, yes, that's it's, that's you know results oriented." You're no, I'm just saying that when when you play these hands, if you have control, you need to keep control of this hand. And if you had, he would have folded. If you had made it, because he made it 350 after the flop, if you had made it 1200 or something. He lays down three five there. He's got no next card. Still doesn't give him anything. You know, no matter what the next card is, it doesn't give him a made hand except for a small baby pair. So you need to control that hand at some point. 
Um, and then he would fold it, and you'd be up instead of down. You know, you'd have been up after that hand. Even on the turn, I think on the turn when he bets, if you really give him a big raise, he lays down his fives. You're literally telling this guy, I have an overpair to the eight. And even if he hit his five, he knows it's not good because now you've got eights and fours. So even if he hits his three for fives and tra- trays, you're still ahead. So you need an answer. You need to know if this guy has a four or not, too. I think you really need to bet more. I think you need to show some aggression here. And in the end, he went runner-runner to give you a really bad beat, and that's something you want to avoid. That's why we that's why we bet for information. We bet for information. We bet for narrowing ranges. And I think this guy would have gone away after that flop if he had just raised. And you'd have been up you know, five, six hundred more instead of down three grand. I think it's a good lesson how to play these laggy players, which are always really difficult to play with, right? Um, and generally what, what what the advice comes down to is, you know, wait for you to, wait to get a good hand and then brutalize them with it, right? Right. Uh, we, we got a good hand here, um, and we chose to play it passively. We chose to let them keep firing and decided that was the way to get value out of it. Um. And again, he, he knows this better better than we do. But I would say, what would happen if we raised on the flop like we wanted to? Uh, I don't think this guy is necessarily going to fold tray five. I think he's going to try to one-up us and raise us, and then that's exactly what we want at that point, right? Yeah. Now, um, obviously, if he, even at that point, if we keep the hand going, then he's still going to beat us. But that's, that's the chance he takes with it. But um, in general, I think we could have got... Knowing this style of play, we we took two two options. We the passive way is just to let them bet and we keep calling and then ha tens and then you know win, or you know putting him to a test and making him make big bets with five high. Um, I think that's the way of of playing it. Um, on the flip side, though, I I don't play a lot of garbage a lot, but when I do, isn't this such a sweet feeling? Oh yeah, when you when something you like get that happens, five, and then sure. you see that turn. I'm like, all right, now I got a piece of this. And then the river's like a five. You're like, you're kidding me, another five? <laughs> oh, I hit my two outer. I'm a great poker player. <laughs> well, you know what? Though, when I think of loose aggressive players, I think of them as bullies. And how do you stop a bully in real life? You punch him in the mouth. Yeah. And and in this case, this guy, you know, you know all the stories. You know how he plays, and yet you actually fell victim to. Someone who you knew how they played. It'd be one thing if you didn't know this guy, and that's oh, now you find out he's this loose, aggressive bully or whatever. But in this case, you knew how he was going to play. You knew the hands he would play. You knew you were ahead, but you also knew that since he plays any two cards, that uh, he could get there with crap in his hand, and you're letting him get there for the price that he's choosing. He's setting the price, and you're coming along, and look what happened. You ended up losing a really big pot for nothing. You know when you could have totally just taken him off the hand. After that flop, even after the turn, I know he got a piece of it. But if you're making it two grand on the turn, I just don't know if he's sticking around for fives when he knows that you probably have jacks and fours or jacks and I mean uh, tens and fours or nines and fours or something. You showed the aggression pre-flop. You're telling him it's not ace king, man. I'm telling you, I've got a hand. You're gonna have to hit it in a big way to get my money. And maybe these guys don't care. Maybe he would have called. I don't know. But traditionally, a bully or a loose aggressive player is going to go back into their little hole when you when you slap them around. And then right. in this case, you didn't do that. You played the passively and, and paid the price. So I, that's how I would look at it from now on. I'm Chris Casenza. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't disagree. <laughs> All right. And I'm Scott Locke. And we'll see you at the table. 
Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.